Mark of Athena, chapter 49, Annabeth. Annabeth had reached her terror limit. She'd been assaulted by a chauvinist ghost. Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted. Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. Anti-slay. Girl boss, queen, slay. House (laughs) down, boots. House of Hades down, boots. (laughs) Oh, no spoilers. No heavy spoilers. We always spoil everything on this podcast. Um, how are you this week, Neve? Pretty good. Um, a little sleepy. Always a little sleepy. This is really like the summer of doing work. It really <laughs> is. Like I've that's had like occasional breaks of like fun, but like it's really just the summer of doing work. And like I'm very happy to have money. And thinking about how much money I'm going to spend on groceries next year, I'm extremely happy to have money now. (laughs) But, like, I am really just working all the time. And tonight was a particularly chaotic shift because we have someone who they hired who I thought they moved to a different position. He was, like, expoing stuff. He was really bad at it. So I thought they moved him, but they didn't. They only moved him to, like, a different position he expos on Mondays and Tuesdays and I haven't like been there on a Monday or Tuesday in a while and learned that he is still doing expo and is bad at his job. So that was fun. (laughs) Uh, Ava, how are you doing this week? All right, Ava's having technical difficulties, but she will she will pop in soon. How are um, you, Brayden? I I am all right. I no, I'm like fine. I'm just nothing exciting. I guess I bleached my hair. Yeah, what the fuck? Nothing exciting. You literally bleached your hair last night. Oh I don't know God. if that's exciting though. You know, like that's not much. I mean, you it looks like genuinely different. Which well, is that is that is what happens when you bleach your hair. I know, but you changed. took the thing out of the box and you were like, no bleach, bleach. And I was like, this is not gonna do shit. And that's then what and it, then he's gonna be upset about it. But like it actually worked. That's what it says on the thing. It says no bleach bleach. I know, but those never actually bleach. Well <laughs> it did. Always, well, I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Ava, Ava's fixed her technical difficulties. How are you, Ava? Listen, I'm grand. Um, I, I'm i working um, all the time at this, like, overnight performing arts program. And we just finished a staff meeting at this hour. It, oh, for those not understanding that this is a, not a visual medium, it's 12, 18 in the morning. Um, I also like that, this- like... <laughs> that a visual medium also wouldn't i know, know what you time know. It was. in the morning listen i <sighs> have been getting zero sleep um yeah but i'm i'm gonna be honest i'm kind of i thrive in chaos i'm having a grand old time good good, good. um welcome back to return to camp half blood mm-hmm. um, this week we are discussing the final four chapters of Mark of Athena, chapters 49 through 52, through the theme of love. 
um, with us this week. A uh, very special guest who has been bearing with our technical difficulties. <laughs> um, Mayim Peterson, author, podcaster. Would you like to um, introduce yourself to our guests? Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm Megan and I do the Monstrous Woman podcast with my co-host Quinn. So basically we go through different um, types of media. So like Greek mythology, fairy tales, Harry Potter, and we um, look at different uh, women and how they were treated as monsters and how that affects society. Um, and then, yeah, I also um, am an author and I'm working on a story about the Salem Witch Trials. Ooh. <laughs> I love that. Sorry. Had to had to verbally say about that. I about that. Ooh. <laughs> um I think that's the response we're going for. So it's perfect. <laughs> I am also now reminded we haven't had to had like a we've had repeat guests so yeah. often lately that we haven't asked the question that we ask all of our guests, uh, who is your godly parent? Because we need to know. Um mm. it's vital. Yeah. I think, I think child of Athena for me, um, maybe to, to too much of an extreme, um, at least when I was a kid, like when I try to explain to people who know me as an adult, what I was like as a child, I was like, uh, Hermione, but in the first half of the first book, like before she was tolerable and before she like (laughs) (laughs) learned social skills, um, but for all of my childhood. So I think child of Athena, but like in a way that's a menace to everyone around me. I was also that child for a while. Like, yeah. I'm like, I've, I'm not like that person at all anymore. Cause I got it so much out of my system in elementary school. I like saw, you know how they describe Hermione and like the way that Harry describes her, like raising her hand, like so much that it's like, like she's wiggling out of her body that she's like raising her hand to answer the question. I heard that saw that was cool. I'm going to do that. Like, yeah. So, so I, I appreciate, I respect, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in the great tradition of us torturing our guests, we do have, uh, a 45 second recap of these chapters that is now uh, your quest to carry out. Mm, I feel legitimately nervous about this. Um, it used to be 30. The original well series was 30. And then we were like, this this series is too long. It's got to get at least 45. Fair. My thought on this is if you're not nervous, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. Energy helps you get words out faster, I will say. That's true. It does. I'm going to rely on adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, every week... On a week that I like go in like confidently, I like always do worse. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I have so much time. Absolutely, I've not. never once done well. I'm gonna okay. be honest. No, it's our guests always thing. our guests always do significantly better than we do. So, <laughs> well, that might change today, but let's try. <laughs> All right, I'll count you in. Three. Okay. Two. One. So we open and it's Percy's perspective and him and Jason are fighting the twin giants because Bacchus, for some reason, is like making them be entertaining in order to help them as if it's not also in his interest. Percy and Jason pretend like they're friends in this chapter. And that was the most 
uh, upsetting part of the entire thing. And then it shifts to Annabeth's perspective, thankfully, and it's her fight with Arachne, but it's not really a physical fight. She tricks her. And she makes her get into a Chinese finger trap that she makes her weave herself and it works. But then they come and rescue her as in the rest of the seven plus Nico. And then Tartarus opens up and then they don't get Percy and Annabeth in time. And then Nico's really sad about it. Okay. You are out of time. I love the final detail being Nico's really sad about it. He like really is. It's just he really is. He's the only one who knows what they're about to experience. He's also in love with Percy, and that's gotta add. Yeah, that adds a different layer. That was kind of my primary thought on the matter. I'm not gonna (laughs) lie. That's always my primary thought with this series. So he does like suspiciously go on for very long in that last chapter, where he's like, if anyone can do it, Percy can do it. Because you know why? Percy's amazing. And I love Percy. And Percy's the only one who could ever do it. Because I love Percy. Oh, yeah. And Annabeth is there. But like, Percy. No, literally. And his sister, Hazel, is the actual most powerful demigod. And people don't think that it's weird that it's... Like, nobody picked up on that. Piper, daughter of Aphrodite, wasn't like, hmm, that's little fruity. It was, it's so fucking fruity. Listen, I hope they get married. Also, I feel like, obviously, like, they're not real characters, and I wouldn't know the (laughs) other characters' thoughts, but I feel like all the other characters would be like, well, Percy's powerful, and he's got Annabeth, so he'll live. Like, I feel like all the other characters would be like, well, Annabeth will help them get out. And But, like, Nico's like, no, Percy can do it all by his his lonesome, and we'll save Annabeth, and everything will be great. It's like... Nico, like, has a grudge against Annabeth still, I think, at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do have a little, like, definitely in my, like, headcanon brain that it's like, Piper knows what's up. Like, Piper (laughs) is there, and she's like, that was a lot. (laughs) And, like, she knows it's not the time to bring it up. That was a lot, Because it's right. It's definitely not the time to bring it up. But I'm certain (laughs) she's there, like, bisexual icon. Yeah. No, no. Slightly older, definitely queer Piper definitely knew what was happening in a way that Nico did not. No. Um, all right, before we get any further into the chapters, um, what songs did we bring to the table this week? Okay, so I went into my journey being like a song that exists. And then I was like, no, I'm actually not going to pick the saddest song that exists. Because I think I've already, I think I already used a really sad song in the like thumb past episode. So I chose 26 by Paramore. Because that song isn't very sad. However, anytime it comes on, I am crying. <laughs> so I think it's fitting. It also is like, I don't know, the first lyric of the chorus is hold on to hope if you've got it and i feel like that fits for what's about to happen so yep that was my, that that was my it's also just very sad and acoustic and you know very emotional so damn i mean that's grand mine is um better than revenge by taylor swift oh you went the other direction because <laughs> i'm gonna be honest misogynist era, well okay internalized misogyny era for athena and arachne and like mm. there's no song that represents internalized misogyny better in my personal and swift 
safety opinion. Yeah. That, that is my thought. Almost went with misery business by Paramore as well. But then also, I realized, but better than revenge felt more seems more fitting. I think it makes yes, sense. because better than revenge is about the woman and not you know. It's yeah, it's definitely significantly more misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> Came on in the car the other day. I have it on my playlist that plays in my car. <laughs> my sister, who's like not a big Taylor Swift fan, we're working on it. Um, it's like it was like this is like a really mean song. <laughs> like I know, but isn't it bumping? Like I love it. <laughs> It, it's on my gym playlist. <laughs> so good, but it's not like it's not lyric wise, but musicality. But no, I actually, actually, there was one rehearsal. This is this is. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast. So I uh, last spring directed a production of Medea, and I one rehearsal I sat the cast down and made them listen to Better Than the Revenge and watch the lyrics. There's just like one monologue in Medea where I was like, this is what you're saying. <laughs> and I was like, sh- I was like, so you know better than revenge. And she was like, no, I don't really know Taylor Swift that well. I was like, you're about to. I did not know that you did that. Did you put that in the rehearsal report? I am. I'm completely unsure if I actually would love, I need to look that up. If, if my stage manager put that in our rehearsal report, um i hope i hope johnny did i really hope i hope johnny did because that's hilarious that sounds like an episode of glee in like a wonderful way it was very so funny it is like that exact like um teaching method pedagogical method that will schuster uses so yeah Uh, my song so it is um, I spent a long time trying to find a song because I was like, they're falling into Tartarus. What is a perfect song for that? Unfortunately, another movie franchise did beat me to the use of this song. No, it is not safe and sound. I did think about it though. That would have been bad. It would have. I would have not supported that choice. No, I did. Cause I actually spent a long time looking for a Taylor Swift song and I, none of them were quite resonating with me. They were, just didn't fit right. I debated an, an acoustic version of Falling Slowly from Once was almost it. Um, a little on the nose, but great song. Treacherous was the closest Taylor Swift song. Um, but um, Harry Potter, Deathly Hollows used this song um, in a scene. And I so they beat me to it. But um, Oh Children by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Um, it is the song in, in Deathly Hollows where like Harry and Hermione are dancing in the, the tent. Um, that is, I am sure it is a song outside that, but I think that's the only thing anyone <laughs> knows this song from. Um, and I, the vibes are like right for, because you cannot go too sad because there is something like beautiful about the moment so you all, and then you cannot go to like lovey. It's just perfectly melancholy. Mm. Mm. Melancholy like, is a great word for it. Yeah. Truly. I did think of a song in time. Right. Okay. I think I, I propose um, for when Annabeth is sort of going to fight Arachne and that's all ramping up. 
Sign of the Times by Harry Styles, just because I feel like Annabeth's fight isn't like a, you know, it's not a super physical fight, so you don't need like a fight song. But I think her just being so grown up and so like apathetic during this fight really shows what she's been through and like they're living at the end of the world. And it's like very sad and somber and like, um, I guess, kind of morose. And so I feel like that fits the the energy of it. Also, great lyrics. And I think Annabeth is somebody who listens to music based off lyrics. Oh, fully. Undoubtedly. I love that. I've always thought of that song as like a very good, like, final song for something you know like a climax mm-hmm. moment actually yeah i think that's perfect i also spent a minute to, like looking through uh the harry styles self-titled album like for a song as well i think that is a perfect choice <laughs> all right what were our favorite moments from these chapters and that's being a girl boss obviously mm. major slay Major slay. I I'm just, confused on exactly how it worked. Okay, actually, so no, let's talk about this. Let's talk slay. about this for a minute because um, I'm like sure it does work, but I actually cannot wrap my ha- head around the fact that it could work. It feels incorrect. It's funny that Rick tried to to preemptively circumvent people being confused by having a whole chapter where Annabeth explains how Chinese finger traps work to Frank. And so how it's not enough and it still doesn't make sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was like, like this is a payoff. How did his editor but read that and be like, yeah. 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 I feel very like confusing. telltale, very basic, like writing 101. If you need that chapter, maybe. <laughs> Bad idea. Maybe don't. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I don't know if that is how Chinese finger traps work. <laughs> I don't but, either. Because you. But I trust Annabeth. Like, I trust that she would know. She would know better than I would. <laughs> but I'm still a little hesitant. But does Rick? Because you don't, if you put one finger in one side, you can get it out. It's the, like, like, no, she can't back up. I guess the implication is she backs up, so it tightens up. And when she goes forward, she's too stuck because the webs are sticky. I think also the implication might be, like, she somehow got the abdomen, like, like, past the middle. And so, like, that counted as the front. almost Like, that counted as, like, for example, if I have a Chinese finger trap here. It's like she crawls in and then eventually gets to here. Oh my God, this is literally an audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it makes sense because I think that her entire body can function as the two fingers, technically. You're right, because if you enter to the middle, you are back, then technically backing up no matter which direction you go in. Right, and it's like you still have some sort of volume on the other side of it, if that makes any sense. So that, like, I think that prompts the constriction. Sure. My brain doesn't want to put the effort into understanding. Yeah, I'll just believe it. I believe that it works. I honestly, when reading it, like, over, 
I know it was supposed to be in the shape of a Chinese finger trap. However, I did just imagine it as like little box she couldn't get out of. Like I can't. I can't yeah. Understand how it works. A so box like, you couldn't even give it to. Sure. <laughs> Cylinder. <laughs> Not that smart, Brayden. You're giving me too much credit. No, but I believe that it worked. Have any of you ever read um, at the end of the Trojan War when Agamemnon comes home and his wife murders him by oh, yeah. putting him in that like sack? Oh yeah. Is that what Rick was basing this off of? Because that's so <laughs> dark. I think that's fair. That's a fair. I mean, I love it. Great moment Please. in Greek mythology for Clemenstra, but I was like, wow, Rick, you really pulled this one out when she violently murdered her husband. Yeah, I feel like it has to be a play on that because literally, where else is this coming from? And <laughs> it's and it, it's a yeah. real like, subversion Rick, of that too. But Rick like, where does this idea to put come a Chinese from? finger trap in his book? Like, why does it need to be this way? This thing, like, he was sitting down with like James Patterson, and he was like dared him to like put up Chinese finger trap in his next book. Maybe. <laughs> It was definitely a bit like I bet like he saw like his kid like with one and he was like, oh, my God. Like, that's genius. It was like kids love these. Kids <laughs> don't know exactly what I mean. No, I'm going to be so frank. Haha. Um, but I'm going to be so frank and say that I read the last chapter so long ago in the sense of like these past four weeks have felt like. 20 years um because like no one sleeps here like it's it's insane um but I forgot about the Chinese finger trap chapter and I was like oh my god is arachne this is so embarrassing guys I was like is arachne making preface this is my first time reading this book um I only got so far as finishing the loss here on my first time around Anyway, I was like, oh my God. Is Jason she, and said, I gotta go. Is she making a protective cover for Frank's like life log? I mean, like back mental backflips is what you were doing. Yeah. I was like, why are we making like two weirdly cylindrical? Yeah. I was like, what's the, are we going to unfurl it? And is it going to like burn people's eyes or something? Like, what's the deal here? Like, I was also, to be fair, I was also like sitting in a theater, running on four hours of sleep, like reading on my laptop, like watching a Sweeney Todd rehearsal, like all that kind of stuff. But like, oh my God, nothing, nothing could have prepared me for the Chinese finger trap. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I love for you that it, you were the audience he was intending for. Like, that is a reveal oh, to absolutely. no one else but you. <laughs> you no, yeah. you need a sleep-deprived girl whose ADHD meds have worn off to eat that shit up like I did. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving Rick that reaction, because someone needed to. Someone yeah. needed Yeah, no, that's what they pay me for. They don't pay me. They'd like to pay me, Rick. My Venmo? It, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do have to say, these chapters did hit well um, as I was listening to them doing my grocery shopping in Aldi's today. 
So yeah, yeah they did. Especially Annabeth's part. Quality. Yeah, very good. Um, okay, we're going to take a break before we come back to talk about the theme. But before we do that, Ava said something that reminded me of this line. So I'm introducing a new one-off segment of um, what is the worst line of writing um, that makes you the most uncomfortable um, to parallel our like sass moment. So instead of a funny moment, this is a moment that made my skin crawl. It is simply four words, but I almost threw up. Arachne's hairy abdomen quivered. No, you're right. It was a little too much description. A lot too much description of Arachne. Like, I got it, girl. She's a spider. Like, we do not need to talk about it longer. It's scary enough. My issue isn't understand abdomen, okay? Because I think we're in elementary school. POV, we're in elementary school. We're learning bug anatomy and not just you know, not just bug, you know, we're learning, we're learning all of insects, arachnids, et cetera. And you learn head, thorax, abdomen. But what you don't need are adjectives to describe those parts. <laughs> like, for example, Harry. Thank you. It's, um, it's, it's that, it's the adjective. And then it's also the verb is so visceral as well. Like, I don't like the word quivered. I hate it now. It is my number one enemy currently. Um, I, so I did have to point out how much I hated that line. Um, yeah. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and never talk about that again. Okay. Period. All right. We're back. So the theme this week is love. I don't want to go directly to the obvious one first. So I want to direct us to talking about Annabeth's plan and how she gets arachne. And here is my construed way of making this have to do with the theme. Annabeth appeals to a philosophy about arachne that like, she appeals to her it's better to be loved than than feared which is interesting it is a, that is a specific stance that she makes because some would definitely argue it is better to be feared than loved i don't know if that's true but like that is the stance a lot of, a, of villains fall into and she goes and she subverts that um instinct within arachne in a very interesting way and she's like Arachne hates the gods because of what the gods did to her. But what she really wants is the love and admiration and respect of the gods. And there's not like love in like a love romantic or even like platonic love way, but that like the love of like community in like respect and like people loving your artwork was really interesting to me. I guess, especially as someone who works in the arts, it like is definitely a big uh, draw and like was really interesting to that. Like, no matter how confident you are in your own work, it like takes that like validation 
is all you're really seeking. It just, there was a lot load. There was a lot in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you think back to like her story, like Arachne never did any, like all of her anger and stuff comes from the fact that she was once like loved, like and thought of as the best at this. And then Athena was like, no, you're a spider, you know, like <laughs> because she was beaten, you know? <laughs> so I can understand, like, it makes sense why that was appealed to when it comes to her character. Yeah. To me, it seemed like Annabeth was just trying to argue with Arachne over what would give her the longest legacy, like fear or love. And she made a really good case for love. I also think it's interesting, too, when Annabeth, like her love for her mother was challenged a lot because she grew up like just it was just pure and innocent. And then as you get older and your relationship with your parents become more complicated, and you find out that there was like a cool indie artist who was honest about what the gods were really like. And she decided to turn her into a spider that can add some conflict for our girl. And I thought that was interesting too, of her simultaneously being like, okay, I have to be honest with Arachne, but my mom might spite me because my mom doesn't love me that much. But also like, maybe I can make Arachne think we'll love her as a spider. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so much. I think what's really interesting, I think Rick picks a specific telling of of Arachne's story that does position Arachne as, like, blasphemous. Because, like, that's, like, one of the big, like, things that comes out of ancient Greek culture and ancient Greek religion is, like, there are, like, three big things... And two big things that that like Greek mythology and Greek like religion as, as it was practiced in like the classical age um, really varies regionally, but there are two things that like are pretty cross regions across uh, what we know now is as Greece, um, and those are one uh, uh, honor your guests like hospitality is a big thing that carries across and it's like, and you're not better than the gods. And like, that is a big thing is like the gods are above you and you can do whatever you want. You can be above other people, but you're not above the gods. And Rick specifically positions the history in this, this version of, of the, the Greek mythology world as Arachne did put herself over the gods. But I like the telling of the story better and thinks it makes, think it makes more sense when it, I've also just seen this version told a lot more where it's kind of just like everyone else puts Arachne like up on a pedestal and that's what brings Athena to her. I've heard it told told both ways. They don't definitively tell tell us which way it is put. At least the version Annabeth thinks as our POV character is that Arachne like went around and said, I am better than Athena. Yeah. And that she still because she like still thinks that she is like the character of Arachne is still in this book like still thinks that she is very much better like it's constantly talking about like isn't this so much better like look at how good these are like 
to a girl she's gonna murder in a couple seconds like why do you care so I think that that also like helps like formulate Annabeth's plan more is like clearly that this this version of Arachne is very egocentric and sure of confident in her own superiority yeah I think in the different versions what Arachne depicts is really interesting as well because in the original versions of the myth um it was written as her depicting the gods which minor trigger warning um in like all the sexual assault that they um perpetuated and so Arachne was like making this like bold political stance kind of and then later I think as they wanted to make it more about like women knowing their place in hubris they just made Arachne like paint like unflattering portraits of Zeus which obviously doesn't exactly hit the same and it's easier to not be on her side and um and I think it's easier to like side with Athena because then Athena's not being mad about the gods being called out for essay which is like not a good look for her um yeah but it's just weird because we constantly see the children of the gods like be told to love their parents that are absent parents without having all the information and we're so unclear on like what version of the myths that they've heard and like what they're being complicit in yeah because like just as much as we in the modern world have all these different versions of these myths they have the it's the same thing for for our main characters is they like you said myths change a lot especially in the amount that these like original, I mean, it's an one, an oral tradition two an oral tradition in a different language that has been translated a billion times. And we do not give enough credit for how subjective translations are and how different translations are depending on who's doing them and in what time. And the reality is the majority of these translations are about rich are by rich, powerful straight white scholar men scholars in like that are super detached from the world who in a lot of ways are relating with the gods themselves so yeah when you see yourself as zeus you want to present zeus as the good one and so the female characters in particular suffer also i think we've said this before Like, I feel like we've, like, at least alluded to this. But, like, if you turn me into a spider, I don't care what I did to deserve it. Like, I will be mad at you for the rest of time. (laughs) No, literally on site. The craziest punishment for what has happened. Like, I don't care what I did. I, if I am a humanoid spider, girl, (laughs) I'll never, ever, ever stop being annoying about it. No, that's why, like, I actually cannot blame her whatsoever, because that is the worst thing to do to someone. Hands yeah. down, awful, rancid behavior. Even if you were just, like, a regular spider. Like, then you're a spider and you're not, like, weird about it, you know? Like, it's, <laughs> And then, like, you're like, oh, I guess I gotta live as a spider now. She's like a humanoid spider. Oh, my God, I would never, ever, ever stop trying yeah. to get rid of Arachne is also such a badass in the um, myth, like, before this. Like, her human life is so cool. She's a priestess. I'm trying to to remember of whose temple. I, I know it was of a goddess, not a god. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on who. But she was a priestess, so she had, like, a strange amount of power and autonomy for a woman of that time. And she was, like, just making her art and, like, living her life. Um 
And then this woman comes along and turns her into a spider out of spite. That's a terrible thing to do. (laughs) Especially like you're a god. Like, why do you feel so threatened? Just wait for her to die. You'll live so much longer and then you can be the best again. (laughs) That is a good point because she also like makes her immortal then. So like (laughs) she's actually just extending her problem. She can yeah. also still weave. I think like, it's supposed to be the smart one. Because <laughs> it is, like, stupid. Like, if you're mad that someone weaves well, you, one, just kill her. Two, <laughs> like, cut off her hands or something. Like, this no, punishment literally. does not fit the crime. <laughs> you well, just in the made movie, it easier for her to weave. In <laughs> the so movie, much easier. She, Arachne is like so upset that she lost the contest because the contest was fixed that she tries to unalive herself by like hanging herself I don't know this is like really dark for this podcast but and then uh, Athena feels bad so she like turns her into a spider so that she won't die because then the noose becomes silk and so it's like a punishment slash saving her life it's so bizarre <laughs> Yeah. I I'm reading the like Ovid translation and Ovid. I would like to say she ripped Arachne's work to shreds and hit her on the head three <laughs> times. No, it's so petty, literally. <laughs> I'm I'm such an Ovid stan. Like really that's hilarious. Yes. And then I have such a personal him. grudge against him. Really? Yeah, because when we were doing our Greek series um, on my podcast, every time we read Homer's work and then we read Ovid's, Ovid just made the women like a little bit worse. And I was like, man, why are you taking what we are? We had so little already. That's, that's fair. I just, I love it. He does thematically, but that, yeah, that's a whole thing. Yeah, I mean... It, the the bar is already so low. None of them are meeting it anyway. It's not really fair to say like one over the other. It's true. <laughs> I I do. I would like to also point out that we just don't give Athena enough credit for how awful she is. She is a woman who is not afraid to throw other women under the the bus. She Absolutely. is. That is that is a that is an establishment Republican. No, she is, and it's so upsetting. It's so bad. And, like, thinking of, like, love and, like, the relationship that these kids have with their parents, like, this whole book plot starts off because Annabeth sees Athena for the first time in, like, I can't remember how long, but, like, in the, for the first time in a good while. And then Athena's, like, a complete horrible person to her it's like you are worthless get me this statue i hate you you stupid bitch and it's like what where did that and i get that it's this whole like generational like thing that her kids have to do but it's just like why why that's really it just like why no wonder annabeth has internalized misogyny if it um is her mother (laughs) Girl, apples and trees. There's no way. Yeah, no, I, not a big fan. I like what she represents. 
Me too. Some of it. Yeah. The war is also bad. Her depiction in these books, I'm like, I think Rick doesn't want us to like her at all. Rick so makes the like, weirdest choices with which gods we're supposed to like, though. Like, he makes Poseidon yeah. a surfer dude as if he isn't the worst creature to come out of Greek mythology. Literally. It's so odd, because, like, in, in the original series, you think, like, Athena's, like, like talks, like, talks shit on Percy as, like, don't date my daughter. Like, she should have any say in what her daughter does, like, specifically Annabeth, that she literally, like, left on her own for so long. Like, I think Rick really, like, does not want us to like her because she is, like, kind of, like, like really mean to specifically the characters of this book. Like, it's not even just, like, like saying a weird version of her myths or, like, her past. Like, she's, like, actively antagonizing the people in the story, <laughs> which makes me think Rick does not want us to like her at all. So, very weird. But see, he also doesn't want us to like Hera. And we still do. And I think that I'm gonna, I think that we should be proud of ourselves for that. Mm -hmm. We are, we are a Hera apology uh, podcast. Oh, I, that's so fair. I think I, I will never not side with a woman in fiction. And if she does anything wrong, it's not her fault. It's the man who wrote her's fault. And as a woman, I just know better that she wouldn't actually do those things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's that and it's also like what prompted it come on you know like it always stems back like that's why I'm such a Wanda Maximoff apologist because it's like let's be real here like demonizing someone for not necessarily having control over her mind okay okay you know yeah, yeah. agree I agree I'm such a Wanda stan. I'm still mad about what the, what they're about what that movie did to her. They I'm just, mad, but I'm still a flaming apologist. Oh no, no, me too. I just like w- watching them make the same mistakes with the character that they did in the comics. Not yeah. as bad. She has yet to commit genocide. Um, such a low bar. <laughs> it may it may still come. Who knows? You have to, like, dig to get under it at this point. That's so bad. But, like, we're, like, 15 years after the House of M, and that character is still recovering in the comics, so I need them to turn her around fast, because I love her. I need to. You don't have to include this part, but, like, I just need to explain that I'm not a Marvel person at all. Like, I have barely watched any of the movies, but obviously, as you can see, my two close friends are. So we went to see every Marvel release during the semester, and when we were going to see Doctor Strange, I was like, so what do you think I need to know about this movie? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And Brayden was like, mm, so she might commit genocide? Mm. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> You're like, but you'll be on her side still. <laughs> you'll get it. It's like, I don't think... What? <laughs> luckily, she did not do that. No, luckily, she did not do that. There are no mutants in the MCU yet, so she couldn't. Mm. I don't know. They have no, like... There's no minority metaphor active in the MCU right now. So she would have just had to like genocide a like real world minority group. And so <laughs> I'm very glad. Worse. So I'm very glad we didn't go that way. But my yeah. issue has ever been about like th- this becoming a Wanda Maximoff, as if it's not already, but I like my issue's never necessarily been about like the Wanda we know and love. It's been about like, you know, this 
almost like alter ego. It's not even a Scarlet Witch. It's a literally like a kind of like a, a relatively new development of like other queen, like having some problems, killing some people. And then like, I don't know, the whole deal is kind of like, well, that's not me, but it's like, who can, who has access to the real hurt, whatever. Um, Greek mythology. I listen in these books. I just want to go back to what you were saying about Poseidon. Poseidon is the scum of the earth. Genuinely one of the worst figures in any mythology I've ever read. And here's my thing. Like, it's so easy to make Aries like a bad guy because like, oh, fire. Like I, I ride a motorcycle, like, mm. but I don't know. I've always kind of been an Aries apologist as well. Like just in the sense of like, he deserves flack as all gods do. But like, it's just such heavy thematic over-dramatization of like, like that's just juvenile at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why aren't we roasting a, like a cereal, like, like Poseidon? I don't know. It's just so wild to me. Yeah. It's weird. Cause he like wants to address it in a kid friendly way, but he ends up just like teaching kids bad things. Like when Percy runs into his half siblings and he's like, Oh, my dad, like, he like can't say, but he kind of is like, oh, my dad had sex with another monster. So I have this half sibling instead of like at all addressing the fact that Poseidon's like never had a consensual experience and he's like just yep. assaulting everyone. But then Aries like in many myths, like sponsored by Amazons and like stopped women from getting assaulted and things like that. Like he's like a decent guy as far as the gods go. And yeah. It's like, but he like definitely rides a motorcycle. So we can't tell kids that's okay. Yeah. I- it's like the only thing that Ares actively did wrong, besides like being the god of war and war is a negative <laughs> thing and we do not yeah. want war profiteering. Um, so there's that. But like the only <laughs> thing as a character he does wrong is like, okay, yeah, he does sleep with his brother's wife. And that's not great. But like on on the bar of the standards that we're holding these gods to, that is just a Tuesday. Yes, literally. Please. The only god not having affairs is Hera, and she's, like, contractually obligated not to. So I don't feel like that's... It's just not something you consider with the gods. Exactly. But that's why we respect Hera. Faithful queen. Yes. Holding herself to a standard that no one else set. Literally. I mean, there are the adaptations about Hades as well. But then Hades is messy, messy, messy. That's not yeah. for now. Hades is messy. People love to paint him as like a soft boy. And I'm like, where did you, did you miss the child bride? Like, I don't. Literally. But I then do... he's like, I'm going to be faithful to you. And I'm like, but, but, but. She's 13. <laughs> no, and everyone's like, but like, he's a good husband after. And I'm like, like, so I'm like, I know that he kidnaps her and locks her <laughs> in her his basement. But, like, after, aren't they really sweet? Like, he 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 only kidnaps one girl. 
and also destroys her mother's mental health in the process Uh causing like humans to starve for half the year yeah like biological consequences like whatever but then there's of course versions of that story too where like zeus helps him and like basically like basically zeus makes him steal like not makes it but like basically gives her to him anyways and i support the that version because i support anything that slanders zeus more oh me too like they're all bad but zeus is the worst and we do have (laughs) to acknowledge this absolutely i also this is a bit of a change of gear but I, the reason I love these chapters so much is because Arachne is a perfect foil for Annabeth because they have the exact same fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. And it's hubris. Uh-huh. And Arachne's hubris kills her. But Annabeth's hubris is what allows her to kill Arachne. And I think that's an incredible... I just... I think the that being how she defeats her like big bad is an incredible bit of writing, and I do have to like shout that fact out. Yeah, yeah. It definitely like plays with the gods versus mortals thing, which is I think the most interesting thing about Greek mythology is they're just constantly interacting and proving that like being a god isn't actually better. Because, like, Annabeth's the underdog, so her hubris is, like, the only way to get through it because she has to overcome all these obstacles, whereas Arachne just has to be reasonable enough to, like, maintain, and she can't manage that, and she ends up being, you know, usurped by someone who shouldn't have been able to touch her in any way, and it's just, yeah, I love the, I love just constantly proving, like, no, being God is worse, like, you might think it's easier, it's so much worse, like, you do not want to be immortal. Yeah. All right, we do. Before we move off the theme, we have to talk about the one that's on the nose. Oh, that's what I was. That was I was. Oh no, I wasn't moving on. I was. I was going to transition. Oh, us thank back. God. Yeah, so no. Like, it, I, I was going to say. Ball. I do think it is Could time. Can you imagine not talking about that? this whole episode? Being like, <laughs> that was really good, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, no, it is time. It's time to talk about the fall. I think we should start with Nico in the fall because he's not going to be the most important part, but I think he's necessary. I mean, what is there to be said, said that hasn't been said? Nico is Speaking so love. in love with him. Speaking of love. Just like the symbolic... Oh, just, <laughs> Ava looks like she's going to cry. We actually, like, <laughs> Ava read these chapters for the first time. I want to know what that was like. Yeah. And I wake for 19 hours. Let's talk, okay? The symbolism in, like, the lack of physical contact Nico has with Percy and the physical contact that Percy has with Annabeth at the same time. I was like, Rick, you absolute little bitch. I could not... I was, like, sitting in this theater, like, hearing a bunch of like teenagers sing Sweeney Todd and like reading this chapter like 
like and the, and and he go he couldn't he couldn't reach him because he can't because he's in because it's under separate like oh my god like I was having a whole moment um disclaimer I did know that those two fell into Tartarus um because I was on the internet in 2013 <laughs> <laughs> um especially circulating um kind of like the the fandom channels um Yes, I, I was a I was a Hunger Games girly, and I, I dabbled in others. Um, not dabbled. I let's be really run a Percy Jackson podcast, but um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. So I, I saw kind of this like the primary spoiler for House of Hades, and it was like, well, Prince and Anna the Fallen and Starters, and I was like, well, shit. Um, so, <laughs> but I didn't know physically how that had happened like I didn't know that I don't know I, I I didn't expect it to happen in the presence of all of their friends like that's something that that really kind of sent me was like I kind of expected them to like reunite at the end of like their you know respective journeys and um something to go horribly wrong and there to be a cliffhanger. Ha ha. Like, um, but I don't know. It's something about like Frank being like, okay, we're all, we're like back or whatever. And like, and Beth having just completed this thing where she had like, I don't know, taken back this 32 foot golden statue. Um, and then just like, I don't know. The fatal flaw came back to bite her. Cause I think my, my issue initially with the whole, like they have, they share the same fatal flaw thing and Annabeth still beats her is like, when I first read it, I was like, well, I don't know how productive that is in the sense of like teaching Annabeth that her fatal flaw can still be harmful um, to her and will lead to her downfall. Like she's not, this sounds so like obvious, but it's like, she's not just going to beat everyone. Um, as much as I love her and as much as I believe that she can, um, like it was just the clearest possible example of like, well, nope, it's still there. Like you still got it. Like it's, it's. I like that you bring it up that like fact that, they kind of both lose because because Anna, Annabeth can't can't help but bring it that extra step and be right. like, and we're gonna win now because you failed, and that's what why Arachne freaks out, and that's why the cavern is unstable, and that's what pulls literally pulls her down. Right, her and Percy. It's not even just something she has to deal with. And obviously that affects the rest of the seven. Like Jason feels like he should have saved them. Frank feels like he should have saved them. Leo feels like he should have saved them, which like, I don't know, maybe that's a toxic man thing, but they all do and they have guilt about it and they're not equipped to handle it as teenagers. And then Nico like simultaneously like loses the person he's wanted to see while he's been kidnapped, but also like knows that Percy's about to experience something with Annabeth, who he's jealous of that he had to do alone, which is like so sad. And yeah. there's just a lot of layers. It really, I 
love Annabeth, but I wish she could have just dialed it back a little bit. Like <laughs> privately celebrate, save that shit for the Argo too. No need to do it there. Yeah. I do think it's so necessary though, because I, I think it would have been so unproductive to like not give her consequences. Yeah, Did that's fair. Like, then we're just telling her that, like, oh, like, but the fatal flaw is okay when you have it because mm-hmm. it'll never catch up to you, you know? So. It is, like, really smart writing. This is some of the smartest writing that Rick does is these four chapters here. Yeah. And I even, like, I forgot how much I really like the, like, epilogue, like, the Leo epilogue. Yeah. And how I like it, I in my head, this book literally ends exactly with them falling into Tartarus. But mm-hmm. I like that it's not just a cliffhanger, that we do have to sit with it for a little bit. Yeah, I was surprised that I, I had forgotten about it. And so when I reread them, I was like, what is Leo doing here? Like, this is not his moment. <laughs> um, but then it, like them debriefing and having to like actually reckon with the circumstances a little bit right after. I mean, that was pretty. This Market with Ian is probably my favorite book out of all 10 books. And I think it's just because it's not just Rick's normal formula of like big battle at the end. And like, how am I going to show Percy's powers in like this insane way? Cause Annabeth's such a different character and she gets to explore like one, she's just smarter. So she's thinking about more things than Percy is when she's fighting. So you get like more of the complexity, but also it's just more like creative. And, and I think, I think writing a character like Annabeth brings out things like thinking about foils, considering the fact that she's immortal, really thinking about her fatal flaw in an author. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I just have to like point out how these chapters also really describe the kind of love that Percy and Annabeth have for each other. And in that like, they kind of don't know that they'll survive this fall even. And like, basically the situation that happens, Annabeth is definitely going down. Like she is caught by the threads. Like she will be fought. Percy really does sacrifice himself because like there, Jason probably could have like caught him. Like if they hung on more, Jason could have got him, but probably doubtfully that they would have been able to like unfree Annabeth. But like, he's like, it's fine because either I go down with you or we get through this together. And I think there's like, it's really foreshadowed right in the beginning of that exact chapter before that, where um, he says, it's okay. We're together. And Annabeth like reiterates that, like he didn't say you're okay or we're alive after all they've been through over the last year, he knew the most important thing was that they were together. She loved him for saying that. Yeah. Uh, She's very good. (laughs) Very good. good. Yeah. It's my thought just left my brain. Move on. I'll think of it eventually. 
It's super sweet. It definitely gives me like, I don't mean this in a negative way because I, I would talk about Percy and Emma's relationship in a negative way, but like they're so trauma bonded in that like ages relationships, I think in an intense way. Cause like they're, what are, I, are they 16 here? 17? Yeah, 17. I think. I think Annabeth is just about to be seven or Annabeth is 17. Percy's just about to be 17. Yeah. At the end of this book series right so like sacrificing your life for your high school girlfriend is like an intense move but it doesn't feel out of place because like fighting two wars in middle and high school is also like an intense move and so they have to be mature and I think it's kind of sweet that if they have to be mature about like battles and the fate of the world and being children of God then they also get to be mature about love and like actually have their relationship taken seriously by everyone because it would be so frustrating I think for them to like be allowed to fight a war but then Chiron be like now don't don't get too caught up in your high school relationships because you might think they're the one now but you change a lot in your 20s because you like you can't have child soldiers and like treat them like children it's not fair (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, like this, that's the exact thing we talked about in the, um, the chapters that are much debated in these books, um, the stable scene, um, (laughs) the scenes where they did definitely bang, um, just, that's just a fact. It's just a fact, but it's a morally neutral fact. (laughs) Yeah. It's like no one, no one is making any observations pro or anti, but it is a fact. But what we did talk about in there is like how crazy it is that Coach Hedge gets mad and that they have a chaperone. Like Like these kids are probably going to die. You can kill people, but like anything else is too much. Yeah, they're going to be in Tartarus later. Like they should get to do what they want at this point. And we're kind of led to believe that they knew Coach Hedge, but like we don't have any textual evidence of that, right? Like Coach Hedge came in in this series. So it's not even like Percy and Annabeth have a long-standing relationship where he can be like, hey, like, be careful, like, make good decisions or anything. Literally. They just met this man. This Satan. They just met this man. He does get name-dropped in um, Last Olympian, though. Right, because he takes Clarice to camp. So, like, they know him. But are they hanging out with him? Are they bonding with him? The way the... (laughs) The adults in this, this can't behave. I think not. <laughs> All right. So, Ava experienced more technical technical difficulties. She had had to join on her phone because of technical difficulties, um, and then her phone died. <laughs> so we are close enough to the end that um, it is that she's just submitting her uh, quote and offerings for us. And I will read, read them off so we can we can move forward wrapping up. Um, so uh, I will start off and I will read um, Ava's uh, quote moment. Uh, I excel at pulling strings, said Arachne. I'm a spider. I'm sure Ava would have explained why she found that funny. <laughs> no, because it wouldn't take it would it wouldn't take as much explanation as what mine is about to be. Because guys, I need you to just bear with me in this moment. Like think funny thoughts as I read this. 
because I need to tell you, I laughed audibly upon reading the description of how I know we just like hyped up Arachne and how she's like actually not that bad, but this Rick's version is uh, bad and annoying. So, but anyways, anyone, this death is just so funny. I'm sorry. (laughs) She flips on her back in time to see a bright red Fiat 500 slam into Arachne's silk strap, punching through the cavern floor and disappearing with the Chinese spider cups. As Arachne fell, she screamed like a freight train on a collision course, but her wailing rapidly faded. Come on. That is so So disrespectful. That is so funny. I don't know, like, any villain dying like that, like, just, like, (laughs) wearing a sock that she made for herself. Oh, my God. I don't know why I laughed so hard at it, but I was yucking it up. Just the, I like... Annabeth has been through so much. She just she had just rolled out of the way of a piece of debris, like doing the same thing to her, and she just turned to see like pop. I don't know. It really made me laugh. It's just a very funny death. It's also not a death because she's like Arachne's fine. She'll she'll rematerialize in a couple of years. Like it'll be fine. But I do. I I think what makes it funny is the like amount of absurd details that are needed to explain why she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. We the freight train set me at the end. I was like, oh, wow, we're not done. Um, mine is, uh, I'd save my energy if I were you, Annabeth. Took a deep breath, relaxing for the first time in hours. I'm going to call my friends. You, you're going to call them about my artwork? <laughs> <laughs> I was tee, the whole time she was in that trap, I was tee hee hee And, <laughs> She was like, yeah. I'm going to kill you. I mean, I'm going to treat you very nicely. <laughs> I admire her dedication. Yeah. Girl, you're sticking to her routine. <laughs> Truly. Um, my moment is Percy describing Nico, which is absolutely not supposed to be funny, but it was so atrocious that I like couldn't not laugh at it. So it's when Hazel, when they're like on the ship on their way to pick up Annabeth and Hazel's like, hey, Nico has something important to say. And this is how Percy describes him. She helped Nico to his feet. He'd always been pale, but now his skin looked like powdered milk. That and was his fucking dark, brutal. sunken eyes reminded Percy of photos he'd seen of liberated prisoners of war, which Percy guessed Nico basically was. Like, what is that writing? What is that writing? And then he's like, what, 14 and you don't even really address his emotional issues to like later, like two books from now? No, that was fucking brutal. It was really mean. And to Percy say it too, it was really mean. And Nico is in love with this boy. I couldn't. I was like, Percy, I know I think it's funny when you like treat people like this most of the time, but be gentle with him, please. He needs it. Yeah. Brutal. All right. It is offering time. Uh, We're going to do offerings and votes off for the chapters and then go back and then do the full book. So offering for the chapters. Um, Ava's is Aries because we've talked about Aries today. That is what she texted me. So... um, Mine, I do. I'm gonna give this one one actually to Leo 
because of that. I'm a Leo stan. I love Leo. Because of in that that epilogue scene where he's like, oh my God, I killed them. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it actually like really like felt bad about that because he, I actually do think he did. Like, in, like, a cosmic way. Like, Nemesis is, like... Not you giving credit to Leo for just feeling bad that he killed his friends. It's, like, because he... The boost. He saved his other friends. But, like, it kind of did result yeah. in him killing his other friends. <laughs> it's and rough so, for Leo. And so that's a lot... That's a lot to deal with. Yeah. That's valid. That's valid. Um... I think I'm going to give it to Percy. I am always a little biased towards our boy Percy as I will forever be in love with him. Um, but I think I have to give it to Percy just because I was actually going to mention this in the love part because I don't know if it undercuts, you know how Rick kind of sets up and like, like someone needs to be on the other side of the doors to like open them. So like Percy, I feel like that kind of undercut the, the like gravitas of the moment of Percy literally falling into Tartarus with. Oh yeah. Cause Because you're like, okay, they kind of do need to be there. He he was going to do it because he was going to open the doors. It's like, like, no, he would have done that anyways. Like even if there was no plan to open the doors, even if there was no necessity to do that, like he would have done it anyways. So, I give to Percy. Fair. He really, he earned it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Imminent death for his... <laughs> he deserves at least one shout-out. I think he's Old only treat. gotten, like, one other offering this whole book, so... I'm torn between who I'm going to give, like, the chapter offering versus the book offering to. But I think I'm going to give the chapter offering... To Nico. Slay. He's been so hungry and like <laughs> deprived oh, of everything. Yeah. I'm sure all he wanted to do was see Percy. What does he get to do? He gets to see him fall into Tartarus. Yeah, he wanted to see Percy and he wanted to have a snack and he's gotten neither. <laughs> yeah, and that's like really sad for our boy who's like also going through his day awakening and that's like enough energy. He doesn't need extra stuff to deal with. Um, and like isolation, your dad being Hades, he's got a lot going on. Um, also everybody on that ship hates him. Yeah. And that's so sad. They're always like, I'm normally fine with people, but that boy is too creepy. And it's like, is this homophobia? (laughs) It's so weird. Literally. Like, I don't know why Rick decided to put random interludes of them being like, should we really save this loser? It's like, (laughs) Maybe they the do, worst thing Rick's done. They spend so long in this book debating. It's like, is it worth it though? Hazel's yeah. like, please, he's my brother. And they're like, fine. I also feel like Hazel forgives them a little quick because she's like going on solo missions with Jason not long after. I'm like, do you remember when he like wanted your brother to die though? But I digress. Nico just really can't catch a break. And I'm so sorry. I promise eventually you're going to get a boyfriend. I really, but it's not, it's not that soon. So I'm going to give you this offering in the meantime. Mm. Uh, votes off. Ava voted off Poseidon. Um, and I have to say, I do think I have to vote off Athena. 
I'm going to hop on that. She, I feel like she hasn't gotten enough votes off in this book that she paused for no reason other than she wants pretty statue. I think I'm going to vote off Hades for like not pulling any strings when first his son and then his son's friends fall into Tartarus. Cause like, I get that it's like not your domain, but it certainly is in like every literal sense. <laughs> and you are the rich dad. So why are you choosing now to like not do anything? Yeah. I just don't feel like you could have pulled some strings here, just made anything easier for them. And you choose to do nothing. Yeah, literally. Even the thing that kept Nico alive was like not his shit. It was presumably. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Like, why are you such a bad dad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then let's go back and we'll do it. Yeah. So offerings for the book. Mine goes to Annabeth. Mine also goes to Annabeth. I don't really think it needs explaining. Yeah, no, it's like, it is her book. And yeah, I'm giving so, it to Annabeth. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we all, yeah, picked someone else for the chapter so we could give the... I thought about just doing both. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted to probably Percy probably needed a little shout out for this. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to spread the love, but like, it is her book. And so she does deserve it. Um, voting off, though... I'm honestly, I'm going to flip my votes off. No, actually, it's fine. No, I voted off Athena for the last chapters. I, I'm going to vote off Jason for this book. And this is not even me just hopping on the Jason hate train. This is just me like, what did you do? We got through an entire book and he did nothing. And I can't abide that. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, because he really was just like, is Percy stronger than me? And that was like his whole arc. (laughs) I think I'm going to vote off Athena for the whole book, though. Because it's just really like her... Obviously, like, the other stuff with Gia is, like, not her fault. But, like, this book is Annabeth's book. And Annabeth's plot is her fault. I think that is good enough. (laughs) I think I'm going to also vote off Jason. (laughs) Period. I specifically for this, like, last Percy POV chapter where they were fighting together... And him and Percy kept being like, my bro, Jason, my bro, like, look how good we are when we were, we don't even have to speak. We just look at each other to communicate. And it was the worst thing I've ever read. It was so upsetting. It was so upsetting. And I was like, I thought I was going to open this book and get Annabeth being like such a badass. And this is what I got instead. And I'm choosing not to blame Percy for that. I'm choosing to believe that Percy was doing it like ironically because he's better than that. But Jason was not. Jason did that with his whole chest. And so for that, he gets a vote off. Period. Period. All right. Um, I'll just, I'll give a shout out to a couple of this, the listener submissions before I give the running total. Um, I have uh, 
Freya submitted, I give my offering to Leo because his head was smashed into the boat and I vote <laughs> off uh, Oct- Octavian for being Octavian. Um, from Cece, I have offering for Leo because MILF nemesis, nemesis was so mean. And for what? <laughs> and then... Um, so true. I'm assuming this person's name is an android. I'm assuming it was submitted by an android. And therefore, <laughs> that's why it says android. But um, hey, guys, love the pod. Anyway, offering for librarian lady for being nice. Unlike everyone else, apart from Persebeth. And vote off split between Zeus for letting all this happen and Frank because he's a creep. Okay, fair. Zeus really for letting it. all this happen is just so real. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the the offerings for this book. Um, tied in last place with one, we have Ares, the librarian. Nymphs, Athena, Athena kids who died, Arachne, Dianara, all of them in captivity, <laughs> Keto, Esther, Blackjack, and The Brick. That hit um, Jason, if you're confused. Shout out to that brick. Doing the Lord's work. Shout out to that brick. In sixth place, we have uh, Reyna and Nico tied with two each. Um, in fifth place, Echo with three. Uh, in fourth place, Percy with four and a half. Oh, he did good. Um, in third place, Piper and Leo each with five. Um, in a strong second place with eight offerings is Hazel. And I love a- that because Hazel was barely in this book oh yeah no <laughs> had almost no interaction in this book we were just like this love triangle stupid girl you deserve it yeah and then annabeth does win yes mm-hmm. in terms of votes off um tied for last is zeus with uh half a vote off but then actually then tied right above that is a bunch with one all the one votes off are Hades, Poseidon, <laughs> Ava, Neve, Ankle, the Ghost, Patriarchy, Male Bees, Percy, Pisces Men, Hera, Aphrodite, Coach Hedge, Forces, the Idolans, Narcissus, and then um Tied for fifth place, Rufus and the Nymphs. Um, fourth place, Frank with two and a half. Um, third place, Rick with with four. Um, in second place, tied for second, are Octavian and Athena, both with six. And in first place is Jason. And then for our series update, I will start with the... Um, the votes off and then end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. I will not be reading all of the ones because we have so many ones, but um, with two votes, we have lit Piper, da- Piper's dad's assistant, grandmother, Thanos, not Thanos, like Thanos from the MCU, um, Percy, Coach Hedge, Neve, 
nymphs and rufus uh with three we have uh uriel drew gia gia only has three (laughs) Um, environmentalists you know you can't be that mad at her Hera and Ava. Neve and Ava are both tied with Gia for votes off. Um, With three and a half, we have Zeus and Frank. With four, we have Taylor Swift, JK Rowling, and uh, Hades. I... I will point out that Taylor Swift has been voted off in multiple books. This was not just like one week Why? where we're all voted off Taylor Swift. I have no idea. You all loved Taylor Swift. I know. Like, I don't agree with everything she does, but putting her with J.K. Rowling feels like a little like... It does. Having her right next to each other feel, yeah. feels, feels mean. Um, <laughs> with, with five, we have Chiron slash The Institution and mm-hmm. Us... Um, with six, we have Athena. And then with an insane margin, jumping up to third place, Rick Riordan himself with 18 votes off. And let me tell you, it's all the lost hero. We it's- literally every week were like, fuck you, Rick. I hate this book. Like we did not. <laughs> Valid. It's a bad book. I hate that book. Um, with 20 votes off in second place is Octavian. And with a whopping 24 votes off, is Jason. This feels like an out-of-control joke. Like, I stand by it 100%, and I, I've only contributed to one of the votes, but it does feel like something you, like, say a little bit, but then the more you talk about it, the more you mean it, until, like, he actually loses the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. he will He will win. All right. And then the top offerings, I'll just do, like, the top few. Um, because... They're a lot more concentrated. But um, in fifth place, we have Hera and Reyna tied with six. In fourth place, we have Leo and Annabeth tied with 12 and a half each, which is like so specific to be tied. Mm. Um, With 13 and a half in third place is Percy. With 15 in second place is Hazel. And with a very solid lead of 18 and a half, our girl Piper. Yes, good for Piper. Underappreciated always. I I respect the most that um, Piper and Hazel are in first and second place because they are so specifically only in two books so far. <laughs> Yep. And they are crushing it in those two books. <laughs> well, all right. That is all for this week. Uh, join us next week where we will be watching uh, Roman Holiday. Not the music video for the Nicki Minaj song, but the classic Hollywood film. <laughs> and we watch uh, a movie. We, we started this series by watching the movie for the book like of the first Percy Jackson movie and the second Percy Jackson movie to like make fun of it after we read the books. But then we were like, we're out of movies. And we just started doing random related ones. <laughs> I love that. And I will uh, note for our listeners, we will be taking 
after that, we will be taking a week off to like move into college, move into school and I'll be working and accounting for all of that and taking some time to bank episodes. And, but then we will be jumping right back into uh, House of Hades. Very exciting. Um, Yeah. Cool. Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Return to Camp on every platform that matters. And we also have a coffee account, a Rebel store, and a website, www.returntocamp.com. You can see how often I do that. I literally can say it so fast. Do you want to plug anything before you go? Sure. You can find um, my podcast, The Monstrous Woman Podcast, on all the big podcatching platforms. We're also on Instagram at The Monstrous Woman Pod. And then my author Instagram is Megan Peterson Writes if you want to follow along for that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for having me on. This was so fun. Yeah.